Pastor Mark just asked me to just kind of take a break from the series to share something that's been on my heart uh, and just preach the Word of God. So that's what I plan to do here this morning. Uh, I'm going to be talking about a little-known disciple. A lot of people were not familiar too much with the disciple Andrew, so we're going to spend some time there uh, this morning learning about him and, and his gifts and how he, he used that for the Church of Christ. Last week, we honored mothers, uh, Mother's Day, and that's really one of those things where I feel like we need to allot a little bit more time than one day a year to honor our mothers. I mean, there's so many other things that we give an entire month to, and mothers, I feel like, should probably have an entire month of their own. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they do so many things. Uh, This past Friday would have been my mom's birthday, so I had a lot of time these past few weeks to just reflect on my experience Uh, with my mom, and I was very blessed to have an amazing mom growing up. She made me, she forced me to go to church every Sunday, and I'm thankful for that now. Um, And I know that was a struggle for her. I know parents, moms, grandparents that are raising their kids in here, I know it's a struggle sometimes every morning uh, to get them to school, to get them to church, to get them to the ball game, whatever the case may be. Uh, But I'm so thankful for great moms that lead their families well. So if that's you, thank you this morning. I appreciate that. Uh, my mom, again, she, she made me go to church, uh, and I didn't realize it at the time, but what she was really doing was pointing me towards a group of men, godly men, that would point me to Jesus. You know, I always thought to myself every Sunday, I'm like, why do we got to go every Sunday? Why do we got to do this? Even on Super Bowl Sunday, I mean, this is crazy. There's so many things that we could be doing on our free day on Sunday. But she was adamant that I went to church with her every Sunday morning because she knew that I would build relationships with godly men who would point me to Jesus, who would lead me to salvation. And that was invaluable to her. I get it now. I'm a father of two girls, and that's exactly the experience that I want them to have. I want them to come here to Grace Fellowship Church, and I want them to be led by godly men, godly women, who will lead them to Jesus, lead them to having a personal relationship with Jesus, and lead them eventually to whatever God's plans are for them in their life, their ministry for Jesus. Fast forward a bit in time, I was about ready to graduate college, And I really didn't have a whole lot of plans, to be honest with you. I was kind of at this fork in the road. Uh, I had zero plans, very few aspirations for life. I just wanted to get through graduation. And if I'm honest with you, at that time in my life, I wasn't living a Jesus-centered life. I wasn't. And then I met a girl. And that girl introduced me, reintroduced me to Jesus, reconnected me and helped me understand what a renewed relationship with Jesus should look like because she was living out a Jesus-centered life herself. She emulated it for me. And that encounter with her completely altered my life, changed the path that I took towards repairing my relationship with God. And I married that girl, by the way. Fast forward here to about 12 years ago, Uh, from now, and God brought me and my family to this church family, to Grace Fellowship. And I don't know if you've ever had an experience like this here or at any other church, but the first time I came to Grace Fellowship Church, it felt like Pastor Mark every week was preaching directly to me. Like Whatever I was dealing with that week, whatever struggle I was having, whatever was on my heart, uh, that I was trying to get questions answered from God, the message that week was directly on that thing. 
And I didn't know Mark at all at the time. You know, I thought, maybe this guy has my house bugs. Uh, should I be concerned about him? I don't know if he's been talking to my neighbors. Like, what's going on here? But it didn't take me very long to figure out that it was God speaking directly in my heart every week. And hopefully you've had that experience somewhere. He had plans for me here at this church and with this church family. And 12 years ago, he sent me on this journey towards ministry. And there's a lot of people in this church that helped me to understand it. Something that I couldn't see or understand for myself. Some of these people I had a, a close personal relationship with. Some of these people I didn't know at all at the time. Some of these people I really trusted. Twelve years ago, if you had asked me or told me that I was going to be in ministry full-time as a pastor, I'd have said, you're crazy. You're nuts. But God was faithful in my life throughout my entire life to send people, men and women, strong brothers and sisters in Christ that would point me to Christ, to point me to renewing my relationship with Jesus, and to point me towards my ministry for Christ. Most of these people weren't theologians or pastors, and many of them in this church weren't even in any kind of a teaching role. But God used all of them to point me towards ministry and the plans that he had for my life. And, and those of you that know me, you know that's why my life verse since that moment, since I started coming to this church 12 years ago, has always been Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. I believe that with all my heart. Every single person in this room, God has prepared and created a specific plan for you. He's given you different gifts to be able to accomplish that because he wouldn't put that on your heart if he didn't give you the gifts to, to be successful with it. You know, I spent some time this past week just reflecting on my journey from my first experience in church as a small child to falling in love to eventually come in here and finding my church family here at Grace Fellowship Church. And I realized that it took so many people along that way to get here. Many of those people never saw the fruits of their labor. Many of those people didn't even realize what they were doing along the way. But they were just faithful followers of Jesus, just following Christ, leading people, teaching people, pointing people to Christ. And for most of us as Christians, as believers, we're not gonna be an Apostle Paul. God didn't give us the gifts to be an Apostle Paul or Peter preaching in front of thousands of people and leading them to Christ. For most of us, he didn't give us the gifts to be another Billy Graham, to, to hold these amazing revivals around our nation and draw people to Christ. We have an amazing set of people in our worship team in both services, but, but many of those people, most of those people were never going to lead an arena full of thousands of people like someone like Casting Crowns does every week. And that's okay. In fact, maybe this morning, what I'm here to tell you, maybe the most important thing, the greatest accomplishment that you will ever achieve in your ministry is pointing someone else to theirs. This morning, as we take this break from our study in Amos, we're going to learn about a disciple that changed the world by simply doing that. Pointing people 
to their purpose in life, pointing people to Jesus Christ. In the Gospels, we learn that Jesus surrounded himself by 12 men. And for most of us looking from the outside in, these 12 men look like misfits. I mean, they were ordinary men, common fishermen, sinners. You know, we, if we're honest with ourselves this morning, we wouldn't have had the wisdom that Jesus had to select these men. But he created these men with a specific pur- purpose and a plan. To us, they seem like unlikely candidates to be apostles for the Son of God. This morning, we're going to spend some time learning about one of these men that's one of the lesser-known disciples, and his name was Andrew. As you read and study the Word of God, Andrew is never described as a great evangelist. Andrew certainly did not have the same role for the Church of Christ that his brother did, Peter. He didn't get mentioned as much in Scripture or get as much of the attention or credit. It may be even as the disciples traveled from town to town and from synagogue to synagogue, maybe there was people that didn't even realize Andrew was with them. It certainly wasn't the case for Peter, right? I mean, they quickly remembered Peter was a follower of Christ. He was easily picked out in the crowd during the trial for Jesus. The Bible never mentions Andrew preaching or teaching. In fact, most of Scripture, as you read through it, just refers to Andrew simply as Peter's brother. As I think about this role that Peter probably had among this group of men, he was probably in the background most of the time. He's probably hanging out, didn't get as much of the attention. Maybe when they would go to a new town or a synagogue, maybe you know, the bouncer at the door would say, hey, you can't go in there. And, and I imagine in my mind, Peter, his brother, would stand up and say, no, he's with us. He's my brother. People didn't even know who he was. I mean, the, all four authors of the gospel referred to him as Peter's brother. Like, we had to continuously be reminded that that's who Andrew was. He's barely mentioned in these gospels at all. But I don't want you to be mistaken this morning that his life was insignificant. His role as an apostle or in the church of Christ was any less important than Peter's or John's or James this morning. This morning I want to share with you just some of Andrew's story, share his gifts, share his role in the church, and hopefully it will help each one of us this morning understand the importance of his story and how it relates to our story, to our gifts, and to our role and our plans in the church of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, you are just so good. Lord, I just pray um, this message that you placed on my heart, I just pray that you speak it this morning. Lord, I have no words apart from your goodness and your grace and your scripture. Lord, I just pray that someone here watching online or in person today just needs to hear Maybe the simplicity of this message. Maybe they need to be reminded of the gifts that you've given them. Maybe they need to be reminded of all the people that got them to this place today, just simply sitting in your house to worship you. I pray whatever the case may be that you just speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. We invite you into this place for worship today, into your house. And whatever happens this morning, we just want it to be honoring of you. 
of your perfect gift of grace and your love and your mercy that you have on us each day renewed. And we pray these, these things in your holy name. Amen. It's true that Andrew didn't get as much of the credit as his brother Peter or James or John. and you know, We don't know a whole lot about him. There's not a lot of scripture referring to Andrew. So what do we know about him? Uh, Andrew's name was actually Andreas in Greek. And this comes from the root word aner or andros, which means man or manly. The name is related to the word Andrea, meaning courageous. So his name literally means manly courage. That's a pretty cool name, right? If nothing else, they should have remembered that because it's a pretty neat name. His name is Greek, even though his family is Jewish. And his brother's name, Simon, is Aramaic. So that gives us a little bit of insight into his family. Even though they were Jewish, they were at least open to some non-Jewish cultures and customs. We also know that Andrew is Simon Peter's brother. And that they are both fishermen. And this is not a hobby like most of us uh, in this room may be hobby fishermen. This was their livelihood. This was how they ate, how they took care of their families. It was their occupation. The book of John provides us with the most detail and insight that we have to the Apostle Andrew. So that's where I want to start my time this morning. We're going to start in John chapter 1. And in verse 35 is where we're going to begin. John 1, starting in verse 35, says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. This John that they're referring to is John the Baptist. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what God had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. All four gospels tell us that Andrew was the first disciple to follow Jesus. And this description in John that we just read provides us a little bit more insight on how that occurred. Andrew was actually a disciple to John the Baptist first. John was his rabbi, his teacher. And it's kind of hard for us to understand in our culture here in 2023, but in that culture, in Jewish custom, your rabbi and your disciple, it was a special bond. Okay, your teacher, as a disciple, you would want to be that person. You would want to look like them, emulate them in every way, learn from them, and eventually become exactly like them. So here we have Andrew is discipling John the Baptist. He trusted him. He wanted to be like him. The entire goal, though, for Andrew, he knew all along was to find the Messiah. 
even though he was emulating John in every way. As soon as Andrew first becomes aware that Jesus was the Messiah that he had been looking for, he left everything. He leaves his teacher and he starts following a new teacher, Jesus. And that is remarkable. That is not common practice for that to happen. Andrew's goal in life always, his one objective that he had was to find Jesus and to follow Jesus. Find the Messiah. And when John the Baptist said, hey, look, there, that's Jesus. That's the one, that's the Lamb of God that I've been telling you about, the Messiah. His immediate reaction from that news was to leave everything he knew and to follow Jesus. And because of that, because of his faith, because of his belief, he created a movement that resulted in 11 other men doing the same thing. And first, he went to go find his brother. He said, Simon, we found him. We found the Messiah, finally. The next day, it was Philip, and then Nathaniel, and then eight other men joined in. And they started a movement that's been going on now for over 2,000 years, the Church of Jesus Christ. It all started with Andrew, the first disciple, just finding Jesus, finding Christ, and then pointing other people to him. That was his role. That was his job. He knew the truth, and he delivered it to other people. King David wrote this in Psalm 25, 4. He says, show me the right path, O Lord, point out the road for me to follow. Have you ever prayed that prayer? I have. More times than I can probably count. Just show me the way, Lord. Just show me what you want from me. Show me the path you want me to take. And you know, so many times in my life when I've prayed that prayer, God has been faithful to send a believer to me. A brother or sister in Christ in the, and, and just send Words to me that God laid on their heart that would help me with what I needed help with in that moment. The answers to my question. My childhood, it was two very important men in my life, Sonny Hassler and Joe Hildebrand. These were men that my mom made sure were in my life. These are men, and they still are men today, that are constant reminders of what a godly man should look like. There's letters I keep in my Bible, I carry with me all the time, of, of one of those men, Joe Hildebrand, gave me a letter when I was ordained here at the church. I keep it in my Bible. There's things that I keep in my office that are constant reminders of those two men because of the impact that they had on my life. These were men that my mom made sure were in my life because they knew, she knew that they would lead me to the path of salvation. Later in my life, I met my wife who, by God's grace, saw something in me that was worth creating a life with, and she pointed me to, towards a renewed relationship with God. And then there was the countless men and women here in this church family that pointed me towards ministry. One of those men uh, is a very close personal friend of mine, Craig Mock, who at the church, I started building a relationship with outside of church, at work. We worked together. We were co-workers. And he, with, through this friendship, pushed me towards ministry. 
helped me to have the confidence to see that maybe God had different plans for me than just safety. Obviously, there's Pastor Mark, his, his father Rod, was tremendous in this process. I remember as they were helping me study for my exams, I remember his dad, Rod, said, my goal for you is to be a better pastor than I ever could be and to be a better pastor than my son Mark. Those words are going to stay in my heart forever because it took me a long time and I'm still trying to comprehend how he could love someone so much that he would want someone like me to be more successful than his own son. Pastor Jake Snyder, which many of you know here at the church, paid a huge part in me going down that road of ministry. And I didn't even know him at the time, but a personal conversation that I had with him when I first came to the church, confirmed everything that I had feared. That God wanted me to go down this path towards ministry. So many countless others here in this church. There's you know, some names that I thought of was you know, Pete Brimball, Nancy Byler, and, and Jared Deaver, Pastor Jim Laird. There's so many people that came to me at right, just the right moment of words. They didn't even know what they were doing, but they were speaking into my heart from God. And what did they do? They were just following God's will for their life. Whatever you're doing this morning for Jesus, today, this week, this month, whatever you're doing, if you're living a Jesus-centered life, if you're sharing the gospel, if you're leading our praise team, leading announcements, talking to people around your neighborhood about Jesus, whatever you're doing in some capacity for God, don't undervalue the importance of that. If you're leading in our children or youth ministries here at the church, that's so important. They may not understand it right now, but one day they're going to they're gonna remember the words you spoke to them. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart to do, you need to listen to him, follow him, with great joy, conviction. And don't worry about the fanfare, the credit that you'll receive. You may, may never understand the fruits of your labor. You may not even understand the labor that you put in. But maybe, just maybe, the greatest accomplishment that you will ever uh, achieve as a believer in Christ, in your ministry for Christ, is pointing someone else to theirs. This morning, I'm, I'm living proof of that. So many people. I would be experiencing a very different life, a very different outcome, if it wasn't for all these men and women that poured into my life over the years, that blessed me. And they had no idea, none, of the impact that it had on my life. But I do. The people around you, the children and grace kids and the youth here today, one day they're going to know the impact that you had on their life. I say this all the time. You've probably heard me say it during sermons and messages. But there's something different about the children and the youth in this next generation that are coming up in the church. I see it all the time. They have courage in their faith. They, they do not care what, how people look at them or how people perceive them. They go and share the gospel with their friends. 
They start prayer groups with one another. They pray for their teams together. They're fierce in their faith and they're bold in their convictions. And one day, I truly believe they're going to change the world. They're going to start a revival around this country like we've never seen. And why are they like that? Because right here at Grace Fellowship Church, there are men and women in this church family that are pointing them towards Christ every day, every Sunday. And that's invaluable to the church. Andrew spent his entire ministry pointing people to hope, pointing people to Christ. And he did that because he believed with all his heart that he found the Messiah, the only Savior, the only hope for the world. It was a simple task to Andrew. He didn't fully understand what Jesus was going to do with it, but he knew every time that if he pointed someone to Christ, they were better off as a result. Find people, take them to Jesus. Watch a miracle happen. And that was never more evident evident than in a well-known story that we've heard in John chapter 6. So just turn to the right in your Bible a few pages to John chapter 6. Starting in verse 1, this is a story that you're probably familiar with when Jesus fed 5,000 people. says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he only asked that to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months worth of wages would not buy enough bread for each one of these people to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a small boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how will that go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Andrew didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I mean, how could he know that? All he knew from his experience is that when he pointed people to Jesus, amazing things happened. found this little boy with a few loaves of bread, a few fish, and he had no idea the outcome, but he thought, if I just bring this boy to Jesus, if I just point him to Jesus, I'm going to sit back and something amazing is going to happen. What if we all took that approach in our lives every day? 
Sometimes we just complicate sharing the gospel, evangelizing, like in that video that we watched at the beginning. We complicate it. What are they going to think of us? There has never been a time in history that has been easier to evangelize to people than right now. Everybody that does not have a personal relationship with Jesus is experiencing pain, heartache, desperation, depression, lost marriages, lost children, hopelessness. And all we have to do is point them to Christ. And say, God, I have no idea what the outcome is going to be here, but I need to introduce them to you. I need to point them to Christ and just watch. Maybe I won't even see it, but I'm going to wait for a miracle to happen. My daughter and I uh, have been following Liberty University softball. I don't know if you're familiar with Liberty University, but my, both my daughters play softball, and we've been following their softball program because my niece went to college there. And their head coach for their softball team, her name is Dot Richardson. Now, that's probably a name that you are familiar with. You've probably heard, even if you don't follow softball, you may have heard of that name, Dot Richardson. She was a two-time Olympian gold medalist, um, for, the, for the United States. She played college ball at UCLA, which is a huge program. Uh, she won the first ever national championship um, when, they, when they started that tournament back in the early 90s, I think. And now she's at Liberty University as their head coach in Lynchburg, Virginia. And I enjoy, as a coach myself, coaching my daughter's team, I enjoy watching Dot Richardson coach because there is just pure joy when she coaches. She loves softball. She loves the game. She loves her kids. And if you've been watching any sports lately, probably within the last couple of years, you know that especially with baseball and softball, it's a common practice now that they interview the head coach, the manager, during the game, right in the middle of the game, which is unique. Uh, there's no editing to be done there when it's happening right, right in the middle of the game live, right? Um, usually they interview managers or coaches after, you know, press conferences, but they've been doing it live right in the middle of the game. And every time they interview her during the game, she always inter ends the interview with whoever's interviewing her. Just remember that Jesus loves you and go flames. That's her thing. She says it every time. Just remember that Jesus Christ loves you, go flames. So this weekend... Uh, the Flames were playing in a regional to, in the national tournament. They're out in Los Angeles, uh, all these California schools, and then we got Lynchburg, Virginia, that's coming clear across the country to L.A. And the first game of this tournament, they lost. It's double elimination, so they lose and they're out. Uh, yesterday, they played UCLA, which is Dot Richardson's alma mater. They're ranked number two in the nation. You know, looked pretty hopeless. Um, nobody picked them to win, and they ended up winning two to one. They had to play another game right after that. They just, you know, played the number two team in the nation, had to play another game last night against Grand Canyon University, and they ended up winning that game. And this was, you know, I, I know I went to bed, so I didn't watch the end of it, but it was probably 1, 1.30 here, you know, 10, uh, 10 30, 11 o'clock out there, after the game, she brings all the players, anybody that wanted to pray together, together, um, from Grand Canyon University, Liberty University, 
She brought them together. I watched this video this morning when I woke up. She brought them together, and she said, we are so honored to play you Grand Canyon University. It was such a blessing for us to do that. And then she said, just remember that softball, because there was a lot of seniors, that was their last game. They'll never play another game of softball. And she said specifically to seniors, just remember softball um, does not embody who you are. It doesn't identify you. Christ is the one that defines you. Play for one. No matter what you do, no matter what the outcome in life, play for one. And then she brought all those girls in and cried and prayed together. I was crying. But she, they were praying together. But I just thought about like such a simple thing. Like this woman, God gave her a gift to play softball. She was really good at it. I mean, she won two gold medals in a national championship. So she was really good, top of the game. But because of that gift, God allowed her to coach. And every week, every day, she's pointing people to Christ. And we know as believers, not everybody that's going to Liberty University is a believer in Christ. They're coming there probably because they're getting a scholarship, a lot of them. But every week she's praying with these girls. It's infectious to watch her coach. I want to be a coach like that because you can see the love and the joy and the peace of Christ through her. And now she's on a national stage and she's praying with other girls, girls she don't even know. And she's just pointing them to Christ. What if we just took that approach in life? People are having interactions with us every day. At the gas pump, at the work, here at church, in the grocery store. And we're either pointing people to Christ or we're pointing them farther away. We can't leave the church and then, you know, give the guy that just cut us off in traffic the finger. That's especially if we have a Grace Fellowship bumper sticker on the back. That's not a good idea, right? We got to point people to Christ by the way we live. Andrew spent his entire ministry in the background of the other apostles. But to him, that was okay. His only desire was to follow Christ and to lead other people to him. That was it. What if we lived our lives like that? Just Jesus-focused, following his example, being like that pupil to the teacher, that disciple to the rabbi, that we just want to be like him. We want to live like him and point other people towards him. Living a life like Dot Richardson, living a life of joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and and self-control that only the power of the Holy Spirit can provide. We, we can't do that on our own. If you're trying to do it on your own, you're going to be unsuccessful. If we start allowing the Holy Spirit to take over and help us to lead people to Christ, maybe then God will create more situations for us to point people to Christ. If we just said, Jesus, help me to find them, to point them to you. That's it. Jesus said that I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But how are they going to find that truth? How are they going to know that truth? Are you going to point them to that truth? So much of the world is trying to point them in the other direction, to distract them and point them away from the truth. 
they have to see something different in us. Andrew's life, when we read through the Gospels, may seem like an ordinary life when we compare it to the other apostles. But actually, if we study a little deeper, we read in some historical documents, we know that Andrew actually became an amazing missionary around the shores of the Black Sea, which is modern-day Greece and Turkey. He was captured and he was crucified for preaching the gospel. And according to historical records, he was bound to the cross instead of nailed to it. And the cross was tilted sideways like an X instead of upright. And that was done at his own request because he didn't feel worthy to die on the same cross that Jesus did. Andrew inspired more people than we'll ever know. And he pointed more people than we could ever count to Christ. He's a patron saint in six countries and many more cities around the world. He inspired Scotland to gain its independence from England. And that inspiration resulted in them designing their flag around the diagonal cross. Let's not underestimate the work that Jesus is doing through us. As we prepare to close, I want you to think about the people who got you in that seat this morning. Maybe for some of you this morning, this is the first time you've been in a church in a very long time. Maybe you're watching online for the first time and there's somebody who got you there. That wasn't by accident. That was by God. I guess the question now is, what are you doing to point people to Christ? Things of this world are all going to pass away. The greatest millionaires around the world are all going to have their empires crumble. But pointing someone to eternal life, pointing someone to their ministry in Christ is eternal. It will last forever. And there will be rewards for you when you get to heaven. There will be a lot of hugs when you get to heaven too. I, for one, am looking forward to giving a lot of hugs for all those people, some of which aren't here with us right now. They're in heaven already. Just giving them a hug and thanking them because without all of them in my life, I wouldn't be here today. If you're living a Jesus-centered life, if you're living out the fruit of the Spirit, people are going to see that in you. They're going to want to know the direction to Christ. We had a young family here that had <clears throat> started coming to our church recently. And this was last week. I was just having a really rough day. There was a lot of stuff going on, uh, you know, health issues with my dad, and just some, some different things going on. Uh, as a coach, I had a parent, you know, uh, not too happy with me. Just a lot of things going on in my life, you know. I felt like it was just getting piled on. And one of our teachers, uh, leaders, sent me this text that there was a girl in our church that just started coming. And she told her that morning, she's like, can you believe they gave me a, a Bible here at Grace Fellowship Church for me to keep? It's mine. That's, a, that's something that we do here as part of our kids program. All of our teachers Make sure that if we have a kid that comes to Grace Kids, they have their own personal Bible. If they didn't come with one, they get one when they leave. And she couldn't believe it. 
I can guarantee you that moment when that teacher gave her that Bible will last forever. I don't know if she gave her heart to Christ yet. I don't know that, but that is just one of the stepping stones in the path to eternal life for that little girl. It's a simple thing. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, are you leading people to Christ? My prayer for us as we close is that God gives us the strength and the courage to do that, no matter where we're at in life, whatever we're doing on a daily basis. God, give us the courage to point people to you.